You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a WealthCap Holdings podcast about long-term wealth building and financial independence. Hey, everybody. Devin here, your host for the Portfolio Builders podcast. I am super excited for uh, today's episode and training with my homie, Chris. <laughs> Chris Small is, you're the first Ask the Attorney that we've ever had on the podcast. We do a lot of interviews that are like Ask the Investor live, yeah. you know, where we interview folks that have um, invested with us. But I'm so excited about this as I was sharing with you earlier, uh, because anytime I call my attorney, one, I'm usually frustrated or <laughs> I have a problem and I always end up with a bill. Uh, so I'm super stoked to get to like dive into some stuff that I know nothing about and get your expertise. Um, and I will not be leaving this show with a bill today. So that's right. That's, that's really exciting. It is free. And so for everybody, if you're watching us on Facebook Live and you have questions, please type those in the comments and um, we'll we'll get to those towards the end. And I know that Chris has a ton to share with us today. So Chris, why don't you share with everybody just a little bit about who you are, what you do, the kind of law that you practice and like why that relates to, you know, to real estate. Yep. Yep. All right, cool. So uh, my name is Chris Small. I own a law firm. It's called CMS Law Firm. I'm in Seattle. I'm based in Seattle, basically Kirkland, Washington. Uh, I've been practicing for 15 years. I've owned, so this is the second law firm that I've owned. I'm also sort of a business geek. Um, second law firm that I own, I've owned, um, I do exclusively estate planning and probate. So estate planning includes many things. A lot of it is um, asset protection in some ways, which is where the real estate stuff really comes in. I have clients all the time that have rental properties um, and are investing and want to make sure that, you know, they're setting up their structures correctly so that A, they pass on to their families without a lot of problems. And also B, you know, you, you are protected as much as you can be or as much as you want to be from a liability perspective. Um, mm -hmm. That's it. You know, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of all I do. And um, we're pretty good at it. Um, I love real estate. Fun fact, I used to be the, um, for all of you real estate people, I used to be in another life so several years ago. I was the Kansas Department of um, Transportation's eminent domain attorney. So I used to go out oh, wow. and take property for the state when we were doing highway projects. So I, I have I have actually a little bit of real estate acquisition background from that standpoint, because I'd go out and negotiate purchases and, and do things like that. And so I actually sort of have a back back end love of, of real estate. And, you know, we've talked a couple of times about what you guys do. Mm -hmm. And so um, I love it. I love real estate and, and I'm happy to uh, be here and share what I know. Awesome. Oh, oh, I will say this one disclaimer, because I'm a lawyer, <laughs> I always have to give disclaimers at the beginning. So because I am yeah. in Washington state, every state has their own separate different laws. Most of the time, there's not any difference between one state's laws and another state's laws. But what I'm going to tell you today is going to be based on what I know before you go and run out and do anything and create any of these structures that we're going to talk about, please at least Google what happens in your own state and make sure that you're doing the right mm -hmm. thing. Okay. Um, so that's my disclaimer. You know, this is for informational purposes only. Don't come after <laughs> me if you mess something up. Okay. That's it. I love it. Uh, yeah. So let's start with like, legal stuff 
101 for dummies because Devin yep. needs it. What is the difference between like a will and a trust? Yep. So a will and a trust, um, they, they, all right. So the easiest thing for me to do is probably to just describe what estate planning is in general. Um, within okay. that description, you will be able to see what the difference between a will and a trust is. Okay. Okay. This is the public service announcement part of this for me because um, <laughs> one of the one of the reasons I do estate planning is because um, it's a really actually an important area of the law for everyone. So everybody should have an estate plan, no matter what their financial status is. What they actually need is different, right? But there are some mm -hmm. basics that everyone needs. So. Estate planning really is going to cover you in two circumstances. Circumstance number one is if you are alive, but incapacitated, right? So I say, I think you're in a car accident and you're in a coma or you're old and you have dementia. Okay. What's going to cover you on that side is going to be power of attorney. Power of attorney is basically who can step into your shoes and sort of take care of your life. If you are in a coma, pay your bills, just like um, do the things that need to be done for you while you're out, right? Medical power of attorney is the same thing, but specifically for, medical decisions, right? Which could include long-term care. And then healthcare directive is the other one. That's basically pull the plug or not if you're a vegetable, okay? That's the alive and incapacitated side. That's super important for you, whether you make a lot of money or not, because if you get in a car accident and, and you haven't designated anyone to make those choices for you, you have to go to court and it's like a problem, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's that side. The other side sort of of your foundational plan is gonna be your, is gonna be your will when you die, right? Yeah. What the will does specifically is it tells the world who is in charge of your estate, right? Who's going to be the executor. The executor is basically in charge of determining your assets, determining your debts, paying your debts, distributing your assets. The will also tells the world where your assets are going to go, right? I want them to go here or there, whatever. If you have kids, your will is also going to name your long-term guardians. Okay. Also super important. If you don't name your long-term guardians in your will, then a court is going to pick that person. Mm -hmm. And I always tell everybody, like, think we all have these like people that look good on paper in our family, but they're, you would never want to let them even probably watch your kids, right? Much less raise <laughs> your kids. So, yeah. right. So you yeah. pick, you get to pick. So take advantage of that, right? It's pretty easy. Um, what a will does though, two, uh, two things happen with the will to transfer the, that property to somebody else. You mm -hmm. have to go through probate. Okay. And probate generally is just the process of transferring one person's assets to someone else. Okay. It's okay. just the, the court process of doing that. You put somebody in charge, they do some things and then they transfer these assets over, right? If it's real estate, it would be, they have the ability to sign the deed transferring the property to the person it's supposed to go to. Mm -hmm. Okay. If that makes sense. Um, what a will also does is only outright transfers, outright distributions. So you can say like, like Joe gets my house and Joe just gets the house. Like you can't say Joe gets the house in 10 years. You can't say Joe, you can't say any of that kind of stuff. It's just, it just straight transfer. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. This is important if you have kids too, because you know, if you, if you, let's say you have a million dollars in real estate and you have a, an 18 year old, if you die with your will, all that real estate and everything is just going to go to that kid at 18. Okay. Mm -hmm. You don't have any other mechanisms to sort of oversee and control those assets after that transfer. Gotcha. Okay. So that's the basics. Now you can add a trust onto those basics. What a way I describe a trust is like a box. Okay. And you create this box while you're alive. And we're talking about a revocable living trust. Okay. To be okay. clear. It's like a box. 
Um, when you, uh, you create this box while you're alive, you are everything to the box, okay? You are the trustor, you are the creator of the trust, you are the trustee, you are the manager of the trust, and you are the beneficiary of the trust as well. You're everything, okay, while you're alive. Um, you also then get to write the rules for how everything in this box is treated when you are gone, okay? Gotcha. You also get to pick who is gonna be in charge of the box when you are gone and who the beneficiaries of the box are going to be when you are gone, okay? The, the two big differences between a will and a trust is with the trust, you don't need probate, okay? Because the box exists whether you are alive or dead, basically. Anything in the box remains in the name of the trust whether you are alive or dead. So there's no need to transfer that ownership interest when you're gone. You just have a new manager step in to manage what's in the box and then they do what you've told them to do within the trust document. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then the other thing, the other big benefit of a trust is that you can make the directions in the trust to say whatever you want. It's like a, a like if you have kids, for example, a typical distribution schedule will be something like until the kid turns 25, the trustee can make distributions for health support, education, and maintenance at the discretion of the trustee, right? So the example I always use is kids going to school, they would say, hey, trustee, I got into Stanford, uh, hook me up. Trustee would pay the tuition. Hey, trustee, I'm going to Stanford. I need a car. I want a Ferrari. The trustee says, you catch a Jeep, right? I'll get you a Jeep, right? And then what you say is when they turn 25, you know, they can be eligible to get up to a third of the assets just by asking. They don't have to have a specific reason. Then when they turn 30, they can get up, up to another third. And when they turn 35, they can have as much as they want just by asking, right? Gotcha. Important note with, a with this kind of a trust that we're talking about, if you are the creator of the trust, you, there's no asset protection with that kind of a trust. Okay. So if I create a trust and put a property into it, it doesn't provide me any, uh, no liability protection, no asset protection. The reason okay. for that is because you have all of the control and flexibility to change the trust, to move things in and out of the trust, because there's this, there's this sort of like a, a line of, of control and flexibility and no asset protection and no control, no flexibility, high asset protection. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I talk really fast. That's I talk okay. about this all the time. And so, if I look, if I look glazed over, it's because no. this is not my area of expertise, which is yeah. awesome because I want to learn all about this stuff. So yeah. at what like at what point do you think somebody should start considering a trust? So is it like a number of properties or is it a certain like net worth that they should start thinking. And I'm thinking yep. from, you know, about like about me personally, I'm a single, I'm a single woman. I don't yep. have any kids. Yep. So, you know, yet, you know, yep. uh, but I do have some property and, yep. you know, if I were to get hit by a bus, like what would happen? Yeah. So for you, I don't know where you own your properties. If you're someone that owns properties in multiple States, yeah, you would probably want to consider a trust. So what I always tell people when they come into my office is this, um, there's no really, there's really no right or wrong thing to do. Okay. I just want to tell you what all the angles are. I want to give you all the information so that you can make informed decisions, right? Mm -hmm. So some people come in with significant assets and they just want to do wills. I'm like, look, it's not what I would do. 
but you know what the downside is. So do whatever you want. If you have multiple properties in multi, or if you have properties in multiple states, you may want to consider doing a trust just because you eliminate probate and you have to do a probate in each state where you have properties. Okay. Because each state has to, has to sort of provide the authority for somebody to transfer those properties over. So you have to open a prop a probate in one state and then open them in other states as well. Is that, is the probate, is it a pretty lengthy prop process? I just know from like my experience in real estate, when a probate property would like get put on the MLS, sometimes it would take months and months and months to be yeah. able to settle that transaction. You know, yeah. like you would have to wait forever. Um, yeah. The, so the answer is it, it depends. This okay. is where states really, really differ on what they do. Washington state's probate process is relatively straightforward and simple. You, you don't have a lot of court intervention, so it doesn't take a lot of time. California, crazy, right? You have to go to court every time to get everything um, approved by the court and just takes a long time. And that's where your process can come in because you know, you put on the MLS and offer is received. Well, you have to, if you want to accept the offer, the court has to approve the acceptance of that offer. Then you have to do all this other stuff, right? So that's how it can get lengthy. So it depends. Um, if you have a trust though, there's no probate. You know, the property is just there. The trustee would list the property and sell it and just distribute the proceeds to whoever you tell them to, to send them to or to keep the property too. You can just, you can direct the trustee to hold the properties as well. Okay. So... Yeah. With what happens if somebody doesn't have anything in place and they have a bunch of property and it's all in their personal name or an yeah. LLC or something and they and they pass away? Yeah, that sounds so, like a nightmare. <laughs> it's kind of so it's kind of a nightmare. It's only a nightmare if you so so it's uh, essentially the same probate process as okay. if you have a will. Okay, the difference is you don't get to pick where your property goes. All right, so. Mm -hmm. What this is, is called intestate succession. Each state just has rules for where everything goes. And what often happens is um, if you, so for example, if you're single, right? Let's say you've been dating somebody for a while or you're in a long-term relationship and you would wanna hook them up with something, you would not be able to, get, they would not get anything if you didn't have a will, right? It would go typically to your parents first. If your parents were not alive and then it would go to your siblings if your siblings weren't alive, then it goes like up to your grandparents in Washington state, at least it's kind of a weird jump, mm -hmm. but that's what happens. It just would go to whoever was like first on that list of succession. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Yeah. Um, we have a question from yeah. the audience. Can you put a property in a trust if you don't own it free and clear? Yes. Yeah. So yes, um, there are specific federal rules that will um, prevent um, mortgage companies from lenders from accelerating loans if you do that okay the reason is is because technically um you still own the property like nobody cares about your trust while you're alive because you again you have such control and flexibility nobody cares lenders are just specifically told they can't care if that matters or if that makes sense i mean okay so if somebody wants to set up a trust, what does the process look like to start all of that? Yep. So this kind of trust call is, is that's right. <laughs> call it, talk to somebody. Yeah. You know, what I say is this there, you know, um, this is a process very much like real estate investing itself. You can do all of it on your own if you want. 
Um, the difference when it comes to estate planning is that you don't know if you've done it right until you're dead. And so you can't fix problems oh. that you create, right? <laughs> Not to be like, yeah. we're going to talk about dying on this show. I'm sorry. We're all going to die. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. If you didn't know that, this is the special episode for you. You are going to die. Okay. Um, the dip, So you can do it on your own if you want. I recommend talking to somebody, right? The investments goes back to like, is the investment worth the value? Probably it is. Um, but the, so what you really need to know is who would you want the next trustee to be, right? Who would you want the person that steps in when you're gone? Who do you want the beneficiary? Mm -hmm. Who do you want the beneficiaries to be? And then what is that structure for distribution that you want for your beneficiaries if it's not going to be just an outright distribution? So you don't need to know that much. It's not that complicated. A lot of what makes trust really big and thick is that anytime there's a problem in the world that results in litigation, right? And people going to court, a new paragraph is added to that trust to make sure that the next people don't have to go to court. So what you have is a bunch of crazy people doing crazy things. And then these paragraphs keep getting added to this trust and it just builds up and accumulates over time. It's kind of like a real estate contract, right? You ever look at a, or your lending contract, right? It's 50 mm -hmm. pages long. If you ever read through those things, some of those clauses, you're like, this is stupid. You know, like, no, there's a meteor is never yeah. going to strike the earth. You know, yeah. <laughs> lions are never going to overrun the property, but those clauses are in there because it yeah. happened once. And they're like, let's just, let's just nip this one in the bud, you know? So that's why trusts are so, so thick. What do you think are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people make when they're like real estate investors, when they're trying to structure things? Is it just not having anything in place or is it doing it wrong? It's, uh, well, it, it's, it depends. So a lot, there's a couple of things. A, people um, I think are always, I think people lean a lot more heavily into, into asset protection than they actually need. I think people are worried about more things than, than actually exist. And so they end up not actually solving for their problem. They end up solving for someone else's problem. Right. Mm, okay. What I mean by that is this, like, like, you know, Taylor has been talking. So I'm, I follow the, I'm in the, I followed, um, you're drinking the, the group yeah. or whatever. <laughs> right. So I just, well, I see his Facebook post, yeah. you know, I listen to his stuff. He's, he's, he knows what you're talking about. Yeah. And he, he has been recently talking about his like estate plan set up. He has trust and he has all these different things. Right. Mm -hmm. So for someone like him, asset protection is more important. Okay. He deals in information products. He deals in coaching. He has, he has, he has um, to worry about people suing him for things, right? Like these are real <laughs> things that he needs to worry about just because of the kind of the industry that he's in. Yeah. For the normal person, that's just like living life. Your chances of getting sued by someone and by getting sued by someone that's going to like clean you out are relatively small, right? So what I, what I talk people, what I try to get people to do is just see what's your real liability exposure and then protect for that. If you're just a normal real estate investor and you own properties outright, or you get commercial lending, which we talked about, I would create an LLC for each property. And that's probably going to be enough. You know, if something happens at one property, you may just have to just burn that property to the ground. You know, I mean, as far as like, exposure goes, but mm -hmm. you're not going to be ex exposed to anything else. And as mm -hmm. long as you're not like Charlie Sheen out there running around, you know, snorting Coke and 
you know, <laughs> running around with hookers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you're not, your, your chances of, of finding yourself in some problems are not that great. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because what happens is as you, as you increase your asset protection, you lower your ability to control and manage your property. You have to give up that control, you know, like Taylor talks about irrevocable trusts. And there are ways to do this where you can you can sort of retain control, but you know, with an irrevocable trust, you are putting that property over here into this box, and you're putting someone else in charge of that box, and it's not you, right? You may still have the ability to, to call some shots, but you you are actually giving up control over that those assets, you know. So that's something to consider, depending on what you want to do in the future and what your you know your lifestyle is like. He can do that because he's continuously generating more income, more revenue, mm -hmm. you know, like he, he's not going to probably need to liquidate any of those assets in his lifetime. He can just tuck those away and just like, forget about them, you know? Gotcha. So, yeah. So people often just over worry about asset protection. In my opinion, most attorneys like to talk about asset protection because they're risk averse anyway. It helps mm -hmm. sell services, you know, you know but yeah. from a practical standpoint, an LLC, right? You have insurance on the property is going to, it's probably going to cover you, you know? Yeah. So speaking of protection and liability, I messaged you earlier. Somebody sent yeah. me a question. She says, here is my question. And I did ask an attorney about it a couple of days ago. What is the best policy to have in place for rentals? Me being the landlord. I was advised to have an umbrella policy so we can keep all rentals under one policy or does each rental need its own? I was advised to do this more so than having the rentals in an LLC. The LLC keeps someone from coming after my personal property. So will the insurance protect the LLC? Is this enough? How does one know how much is enough? Right. And she says, Americans are too crazy. Yes. Right. Yes. So I would, I would say, I don't think, like for the average person, Americans are not that too crazy is all I would say about that, right? Okay. For, for someone to sue you with what we're talking about, something huge would have to happen at your, at your property. Like a meth lab would have to explode or somebody would have to do something really, really crazy to, to create the kind of exposure that we're really talking about protecting to mm -hmm. just to sort of like make this clear. Somebody falls and trips down the stairs at your place and doesn't die your in your just home like the policy that you have on the home is probably going to cover that person all the way does that mm -hmm. make sense just to sort mm -hmm. of get that out of the way that's what i'm talking about when you're thinking about risk ex exposure this is this is important to consider when you're thinking about what you need mm -hmm. so um so the best policy to have in place for rentals is again though just going to depend on what your risk tolerance is right generally do you want to just like batten down the hatches and make sure you're all the way protected. You can do that. You just, I know a guy here, for example, that owns, I think I've literally hundreds of rentals. Mm -hmm. He has no LLCs. He has no nothing. He's just like, he's old school, dude. You know, he's like in his seventies. He's like, man, F those people. I don't know. Nobody's suing me. You know what I'm saying? So it just depends yeah. on what you want to do. Um, but the time. So for me, if you own the property outright, if you do not have a mortgage on it, I would almost always put it into an LLC. They're super simple to set up. You don't need an attorney to set them up because we're talking about single member LLCs. Just make sure you sort of like do some Googling to make sure you set, it's just not rocket science, quite, quite frankly. Um, if you have a mortgage on the property though, 
often you can't create an LLC for that property because that can ignite that do that um, acceleration clause for a lender, right? So if somebody comes to me and they have rentals and they have notes on them, I you can put them into an LLC, but if the bank finds out, they can call the note. Okay, so that's a that's a risk that you need to decide if you're willing to take. Mm-hmm. In that case, I take that risk just. Help. Yeah, you, you know, the likely that's right, because you know what happens with these mortgages, they get chopped up into 100 different pieces. No one's yeah. no one's checking on them. So in re- again, this goes to just what do you what's your what's your what's your risk, risk tolerance? Yeah. What is it? You yeah. know, it's really you're probably likely not to be found out. The truth is, if, if you um, if they do find out, you can probably just say, like, my bad. I'm just going to move it back into my name and they'll be like, fine, don't do it again. You know, like that's that's in reality what's going to happen. They'll send you a nasty letter and you fix the problem. Um, but if you are more risk averse or if you don't want to open yourself up to that, then an umbrella policy can help you out. You just want to make sure you do two things. Talk to your insurance um, uh, provider and, mm-hmm. and hopefully they have a formula that they can tell you what kind of an umbrella policy that you need. And then just make sure that that specific rental or whatever rentals you have are included in that policy, right? Because you want to most of the time, umbrella policies only cover you for your personal um, things, and rental po- rental properties are often specifically excluded because you know they carry more liability. Quite frankly, so I just want to make sure that they are included. But if you have a um, if you own the property free and clear, or you're less risk averse, I would put them into an LLC every time. And if you don't want to make a bunch of them, I would at least make one and drop mm-hmm. all those properties in there because it's going to save your your you know, your investment accounts, it's going to save your cash in your safe, in your checking account. It's going to save your residence. All those things will be safe if you have an LLC and have those in the, in those properties. Gotcha. Yep. What do you think is like the number one piece of advice that people that are getting started investing in real estate need, need to hear? Does it have to do with the way that they're setting things up or like, what do you think? If you were if you were able to give some legal advice to save somebody headaches that was yeah. getting ready to build a portfolio, like what would you say are the first steps that they need to need to take? You know, I would say at the beginning, spend your time and your money on acquiring good properties and just like building up your portfolio. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, you know, with all corporate structures, you typically don't clean them up until you're big enough for it to matter. That's what yeah. I would say. That's not the lawyer. Okay. That's not the lawyer answer, but that's like the real life answer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Quite frankly, the other thing, one of the other things that I suggest, and this is sort of um, would, would, would sort of be a second level thing to do is as you begin to acquire more properties, one of the things that I suggest that people do is to create a separate LLC just for the cash, right? Because what will often happen is you'll create an LLC and then you open a bank account in the name of that LLC and you will deposit the money from the rent into that bank account LLC. Well, if you let that build up, it all, it just continues to sort of flow with that LLC. So if you ever have something happen, that cash is sort of at risk. That makes sense? Yeah. So you sort of, and if, if you acquire many, many properties, it just becomes easier to manage all the cash flow. If you just have all of the money flowing into a separate account, almost like your property management account is like what I would call it. And then you can manage the cash flow from there, wherever you want. You can take personal distributions, you can pay expenses, you can sort of do whatever you want. If that makes sense. The, um, the um, lease agreements are typically going to be in the name of the, um, 
property LLC, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and then the payments though were just made to this other place. Sort of just, it goes to, it goes to like, you know, if you have a, um, a company that has IP, right? Intellectual property. Mm -hmm. And you yeah. have a what will often happen is, and you're a consulting company, for example, like Taylor and these guys, I'm sure they do this. So you have your intellectual property and you have your consulting side. What will happen is you'll, you'll split those two up. You'll create a company that just owns the IP. And then, and then the consulting company will pay the intellectual property company to use that, to use the property so that if anything ever goes down, no one can ever touch your intellectual property. It's sort of like stuck in its own little silo and safe from the world, you know? Gotcha. So here's a question, <clears throat> just thinking about like me personally, having properties in different states um, that are in different LLCs. Is it necessary or advised to have a holding company that owns the LLCs in multiple states? Like, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's, it's always the same. It just depends, right? It just depends yeah. on how big you get. It depends on how risk averse you are. Some people, here's the other thing. Some people just want to be completely anonymous all the way. So mm -hmm. it just, um, and as you acquire more properties, tax strategies are going to come into play more and you're going to want to, yeah. you're going to want to figure these things out. So it really kind of just depends, quite frankly, on how fancy you want to get, how much time and money you want to spend on it. And mm -hmm. if it really matters to you or not, you know, cause it might, it just might not matter that much um, with your specific situation. You know, but if you yeah. get really big, if you get real, you know, like if you're public facing, you maybe you do want to have some anonymity or some things like that. But for most people, you know, like no one's ever I'm, I, I would guess, even though even with you being on, on on doing what you do, my guess is no one is ever going to go and like do a record search to see what properties you own. They <laughs> right. might. Well, they might now. Now, now that we're talking gonna... about it. They might. But. <laughs> But, you know, like in reality, you know, in reality, people just don't care about people that much, you know? Right. Like, Nobody thinks about you as much as you no, think. No, people are lazy. Yeah. People are lazy yeah. and they all think their problems are more important than anybody else's problems. So like, unless you have a stalker or you're getting sued for something like for real, you know, then that's a problem. One of the, here's one of the other things you can do. So for though, for like asset protection, make sure you have good car insurance. You know, like make sure you have good insurance in the places that you can get in trouble. You know, like my, my law firm, I have million dollar insurance policy, right? Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I could do a million dollars of damage to somebody, quite frankly, but you know what that, that means? I'm pretty much protected from anything I could do. You know, don't go, yeah. don't go do just like a minimum policies on your car. If a car accident is the thing that could wreck you in a car accident is the thing that any of us can get into at any time, you know? So yeah. Um, it's about sort of, you know, people spend a lot of money on certain types of insurance and they don't spend other on other insurance and they sort of miss what they, what they should be spending on, you know, for the risk that they're actually exposing themselves to. Yeah, no, I think I really like your perspective. So, um, I'm, I know he's not watching, so I'll call him out. I have a good friend who is an attorney, uh, that, you know, he's given me a lot of advice and he is, yeah the chicken little of the lawyers. The sky is he's, falling. He's like most lawyers. That's yeah. how most lawyers are. Like yeah. everything is going to go, go wrong. And it's going to go, it, it could, it's going to happen to you. And it's going to happen tomorrow. And you got to have like 87 layers of protection. 
And I appreciate that for some people who are, if you're super duper risk adverse and that makes you feel safe, so you can, you know, whatever, build your business, invest and all that and feel safe and protected doing it. That's awesome. I am not totally that way. Like I, I think I'm a little bit more risk tolerant than some. Uh, I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm super vulnerable or anything, but I also recognize the, the probability of some things happening to me are, they're pretty low. Um, but, but I wouldn't go to, to the extreme of like having no insurance and having nothing set up or anything like that. But I think there's, I think there's a medium in there where you can be protected, but not like insane. And I talk to people, I talk to investors all day long and a lot of them, they'll start asking me questions about just like your disclaimer. I'm, I'm like, I can advise you on which investments make sense based on where you're trying to go. Cause that's like, that's what I do. And I can share a little bit about like what I do, but I can't give, I can't give any legal advice. I'm not a lawyer and I'm not an accountant. Uh, and you know, um, and I often tell people like, don't try not to create the problems yet. Like you're not there, just acquire, start acquiring some properties and get yourself in a position where then you need to worry about some of these things, but your first few, like just focus on acquisition and don't waste thousands and thousands of dollars, creating layers and layers of protection that you don't need yet. You can clean it up later. You know, you can totally clean it up later. Even if you, you know, everything's in your personal name, blah, 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 like down the road, you can put them in an entity, quit claim, refinance, get a commercial loan in the new entity. Like all of that stuff can be, can be cleaned up. And it's um, kind of refreshing to hear an attorney tell me that you feel that way. I'm not your typical attorney. All the other attorneys out there listening to me are like shaking their heads and rolling their eyes probably. But I, I, I just like to think like, about how this stuff- my billable, my, my billable hours, bro. Right. Here's a, yeah. Here's a pro tip. Here's a pro tip. If you're talking to other attorneys and they're telling you all this stuff, I would just ask them, like, can you think of a scenario where, where this stuff would actually come into play? You know, where the exposure mm-hmm. is high enough that you would need all this stuff, you know, because it would have to be pretty darn high, you know? Yeah. Um, It'd have to be pretty phenomenal. But again, yeah. I, I do think that people should be made aware of what risks are. We talk about the, well, you 100%. and I have talked about risks, you know, of 100%. investing in real estate, like, because they are, they are there and people should be aware and they yeah, can and, decide. Yeah. And like I said, I always tell people, look, um, there's no right or wrong answers here. If people want to come in and go super asset protection, I'm like, that's, that's totally fine. I can help you that. If they don't, I'm like, that's totally fine. It's not my money. It's not my stuff. You know, what I, what I, really try to prevent are bad choices based on bad information, right? Mm, if you're mm-hmm. making a choice and you know what the upside and the downside is, then that's fine. It's your, like I said, it's your stuff. People come in sometimes they want to cut their kids out of their will, for example. They're like, is that a good thing? I'm like, I don't care. That's what I tell them. You know, <laughs> it's not my money. Like who am I right. to tell you what's good or bad, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be giving you another random opinion you know, from someone. So it, uh, I'm, like I said, some people, I'm, I'm weird in that respect. Some attorneys like really push trust all the time. They push these things all the time. I'm like, look, I don't know your family. I don't know what's important to you. I don't know any of those things. And, and so for me to, you know, guess what those are is sort of arrogant on my part, you know? 
So just, yeah. um, but you're right though. So you're right. One of the other things I talk about when it comes to estate planning, same thing for what you're talking about with your real estate portfolio. And it's analogous because we're talking about real estate. I talk about it like you're building a house, right? You have certain foundational things that you want to do. And as yeah. you go on, then you can add these things on, you know, you, mm -hmm. then you can frame the house. You put the drywall in like an irrevocable trust would be like, you know, installing the carpet. You know, you would want to do that at the very end. You know, you don't want to do that at the beginning, do the foundation first and just build up as you, as you need to, because you can always add stuff in later and you can always, you can almost always clean everything up. You know, even if you do something dumb, you know, you can always just make a new LLC and transfer your property into your new LLC that actually works if you, yeah. if you broke it, you know? So, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, and this is a question I didn't prep you for being with your experience and estate planning as an attorney and we've talked about investing in property like what from the investor standpoint what things are you going to look for as you start building your portfolio interesting question so yeah. for me let's see so for me i'm so we talked about this i look like i'm a kid i'm 40 right i still consider myself to be super young super early in the game plenty of time mm -hmm. to do all these things so for me right now, uh, my specific philosophy when it comes to all this stuff is going to be probably just buy and hold. I want to mm -hmm. have like an empire, right? right? But I would prefer to have cash right now that's generating these things. Um, so that when I'm looking for things, I'm just looking, but again, it just goes back to personal preference, right? right. So I want things that generate good cash flow that have good renters right? That will appreciate. I don't know, but I also just like done for you service. I don't yeah. care if it's pretty. I don't care if it's clean necessarily. I want it to be, um, I will say this though, because I've owned rental properties in the past. Mm -hmm. What I do like and what I do, what I do require personally is a, a actual good experience for the people that are renting the property, right? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't need to be like a mansion, but I want people to um, be proud to live there. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I just yeah. want it to be nice. Um, so for me, um, but that, but I'm also, you know, into diversity. So what I'll probably do is go there first, cash flow, get some, get some things going there, and then for, do some, do some of the other ones as well, right? Because you just want to have mm -hmm. everything that can offset everything else, right? You know this. Well, I just want to. Uh, yeah, do, I do. Yep, I just want to do the smart play. I want to. Um, but, you know, one of the other things, you know, you can go fast as you can try in this game, just like in any other game. But mm -hmm. the, the, um, the, the more ability that you have to play long, the better, right? Yeah. The less sort of greedy is not the right word. But if you can play your own marathon game, then, then you know, success is there, you know, Even, and it yeah. will happen faster than you think. It totally will. One of the things I love about what I get to do all day is I get to talk to so many different investors or potential investors um, and everybody's different. Just like you were talking about with the estate planning and asset protection, you know, whatever fits you and your family and your plan is what makes the most sense. And what with what we do on our side is just, it's very similar. We have to get to know the person and figure out where are you trying to go to help them you know, build a plan and a vehicle that's going to, that's going to get them there. And everybody's yeah. different. Some people are all about cash on cash. 
you know, other people don't care that much. It's more about they're trying to build equity. So they want higher priced homes in certain markets that are going to appreciate faster, you know, and everybody's just really different. So I was just curious. Um, yeah, the, here's the, yeah, here's the other thing guy. too. <laughs> yeah, total selfish thing. We talked about this. I'm from Kansas, right? Yeah. So for me, buying up, getting a place in Kansas that I can, that I can sort of utilize when I'm traveling to go check mm-hmm. on my property is also nice, right? So there are these other sort of um, side benefits to doing some of this stuff as well. If you, if it's important to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. I those totally are sort of get here. that. Yeah. My dad lives in Charlotte. So that's, it's like a, it's a twofer because I can go check on my property and visit my dad. And right. the whole thing is a business trip. That's right. So yeah, 100%. It's, it's a two for one. Um, well, I don't see any more questions from the, from the audience that we didn't get wrapped into the conversation. Um, so for anybody who's listening and they want to learn some more about estate planning, asset protection, any of the things that you shared about, um, you have in a, a newsletter, right? That you send out. Yeah. Yeah. So the, yes. So here, so I'll say this one thing, if you're listening to this and you just tag me in a question, I'm think I'm tagged in this thing. I should probably pop up and get it. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you can do that. If you have a question that's like directly related to something that I said, if you think I'm an idiot and I'm wrong, <laughs> like I'm happy to, I'm happy to talk to you about that. That's fine. Won't be the first time. Um, but uh, that would be the easiest thing to do. Like specifically related to this conversation, just tag me in the, in the, in their comment and I'll come in and I'll answer it. My newsletter that I have, it's not specifically related to estate planning necessarily. It is. So I, I, like I said, I'm like, love this business side. So I sort of do some consulting for law firm owners. It's more, okay, it's awesome. more on the, on the, it's more businessy, a lot more mindsety stuff than, than just straight up estate planning. Um, but you'll, you can get my contact information. That's just, um, so unconventionalnewsletter.com is where you can go. If you want to sign up for that, um, it's just business stuff. So it can be helpful. Um, there's plenty of business stuff, you know, with traffic and funnels and stuff like that too. But, um, um, yeah, just tag me if you have a question, um, you can do that. Uh, my, my, so my, uh, if you have a, if you really want to talk estate planning, you can just go to estatemeeting.com. You can literally set up a time and talk to me over the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can help you, I will. If you guys all crazy people start booking meetings with me, I'll have to screen you, but you know, that, that probably won't happen. Yeah. And even if you can't help them, you might be able to send them in the right direction of somebody who could. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. So yeah, for sure. I talk to people all the time from all over the place. I do a lot of videos and a lot of, of, um, internet stuff, the best way to describe it. So I have people reaching out from all over the place. And if I can't help you, I, I'll, I can tell you where to go usually because I do this consulting uh, stuff. I have a, a very, very wide and deep network of attorneys across the country. So I, I can typically get you in touch with somebody that can help you if you have a state specific problem. So feel free to ping me if you need to. Cool. I will. Uh, one of our uh, viewers from Facebook sounds like he might want to reach out to you. So I'll connect you guys after. And for everybody, if you're listening to the podcast, the the replay later, just the audio, um, you know, I'm pretty easy to find on Facebook and I can connect you with Chris as well. And if you want to jump on a call and talk about what it looks like to 
build a plan to invest in real estate for buy and hold, I can totally help you with that. Uh, jump on wealthcapholdings.com backslash waitlist, and that will take you to my calendar. And we can chat about what it takes to get you started. And um, if you need help with the estate stuff, I'll send you Chris's way. Uh, yeah. So yeah, go book that meeting. It's a great meeting. I've done it. I've been there. <laughs> you have. You've yeah. We've done a we've done a consultation. I know. I that's know. how it was we amazing. That's how we wonderful. met. It that's was right. awesome. It was great. Yeah. It was. So uh, thank you guys for everybody that's tuned in and, and watched us live. And for those that are listening to the replay later, again, just get in touch if there's anything we can do to help you. Chris, thank you so much for your time today. It was fun. Yeah, I learned thanks. a ton and yeah. I'm leaving this hour without a bill for a few hundred right. bucks. <laughs> it's that's pretty right. awesome. No bill. Yeah, I, I had a blast. It. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate yeah. it. And don't you dare send me an invoice and in Facebook messenger mm -hmm. later. <laughs> I can't make any promises. Okay. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Discover how you can start building wealth with real estate, even without experience, in our free book, Why Real Estate and How to Get Started, by visiting wealthcapholdings.com slash book. That's wealthcapholdings.com slash book.